You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The year is 2020. Unspool has done all 100 films on the AFI list, and it is now time to reflect and kill. Welcome to the AFI Thunderdome. everybody, welcome to Unspooled. Amy, this is it, our recap episode. I want to give a shout out to Mike Cassidy. You've been hearing his music uh, as the opening of our show for quite some time. We're going to be changing that up, still using Mike Cassidy, but retiring this theme song. So thank you, Mike. Uh, I can't wait to see what you've cooked up for season two. Such a great song. We love you, Mike. We also love you, Kim. Kim Troxel, who has been doing our fabulous posters every single week. She is truly the best artist and a lovely, lovely human being. We salute you, Kim. Oh, Kim, we're going to do some crazy posters now. And uh, and just a final shout out, but not the only shout out that we need to give, but to Kate Littleton, who has been running our Facebook group and our Discord groups and keeping the conversation going while we're not on the air. Uh, there's so much more in store, like Amy was saying, in season two. We're going to get to season two in a second. Um, actually, in a in a lot of seconds, because we need to kind of talk about this AFI list. Amy, we watched 100 films. We started off with Citizen Kane. And at the end of that episode, we said, you know, we really need to revisit that film to see, is it still the the film that you would put at the top of the list? And I think today we're going to get a definitive answer on that. But before we even get to that, I keep on loading you guys up with what we got. Let's talk about the films that surprise us the most, uh, the good, the bad ones, the ones that stuck with you. You know, I know that you've seen a lot of these films, but were there any films, Amy, that, like, that really impacted you in a way that you were surprised by? You know, the film that I have not been able to stop thinking about basically every day and comparing it to every other movie that I've ever watched and seeing its influence everywhere is Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I don't mm. know why that film got so deep under my skin. Treasure of Sierra Madre and Bonnie Clyde, those two films, I just feel like I live their influence everywhere. I see them everywhere and they hit a little bleak 
part of my soul that's just so delightful. I love that. Uh, you know, for me, I think the film that stuck out to me the most, uh, quite honestly, was 2001. Uh, we saw it in the theater, the way it was supposed to be projected, the way it was supposed to sound. That one definitely made a huge, huge impact on me. Um, I think culturally, Do the Right Thing is another film that re-watching it after so many years of not seeing it just really blew me away. And I think the conversation that we had around it was really fascinating to talk to Spike Lee and to see how that film, I think, fits into the, the tapestry of the country that we're in right now. It, it, there's so much going on. Um, and I just think I have a greater appreciation for things like silent films and and things that felt like homework uh, because they didn't turn out to be homework. Um, and I think I'm going to go into watching film now in a much more pure way. Like, I think I would always drag my feet like, oh, Sophie's Choice. And it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't bad at all. It just was <laughs> different. And uh, I think that's what I learned the most out of out of being forced to watch all these films. Yeah, like the emotion that I'm hearing from you, I've, I feel it so deeply. And I feel like I also see it in the people who read in and told us the films that they really were struck by. You know, so many people made my heart shine by saying Sunrise. You know, Peter Nason at Samurai mm. 4040, his best surprise was Sunrise. Um, same thing with Michael Boyce. Of all the films he hadn't seen, he thought Sunrise was the best surprise. And that the this old film on the list, the silent, I think in a way almost alien way of telling a romance and a, a marital drama with such big expressionism that we didn't really let take root here in America, that that film lit up people's lives as, as much as it lights up mine, that makes my day. That makes my year. That makes my last two and a half years because that's how long it's taken us to do this. You know, looking through all these comments, Katie at Katie Ehrlich on Twitter wrote that Taxi Driver and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf really stuck with her. Those two films were amazing. I, I think that if I was to pick a second film that really stuck out to me, it was Taxi Driver. I mean, that film really spoke to me in a way that I was incredibly surprised by. And I think, you know, as I grow older, I'm looking at things with a different perspective. And that film, I think, ages really, really well. Um, she also writes that she'd never seen Marx Brothers before and, and thoroughly enjoyed them. And I love hearing that because, you know, I grew up with Marx Brothers, so it's hard for me to see them with fresh eyes. And I'm glad that they still work. You know, this there's this idea that I think popped up in a lot of people's comments was, you know, approaching films like they thought they might be a struggle, you know, um, David Downing, for example, he said Nashville was a revelation. Like I have struggled with Altman and yet finally Nashville clicked open for him, which was the same experience I had with Nashville. Like to me, Nashville was a was a good lesson as a critic for if you watch something, you find yourself drifting, then you learn and read and study and get absorbed in it. It cracks open for you. You know that I think stuff can crack open if you give it if you give it time and if you really want it. You know, there's people who disagree with us, and I think there's room for that as well. We're not saying that we're the arbiters of what should be on the list, but what we like or what we don't like on the list. And somebody who really felt strongly about a film that we despised was uh, Robin Armstrong. Robin Armstrong writes, you know, Forrest Gump was a love letter to uncritical thinking, obedience to authority, and the linking of financial success to virtue, a rewriting of the 1960s political activism that would blush George Orwell with an Old Testament level of judgment condemning free thinkers to death by AIDS. Um, which is, I mean, really uh, uh, <laughs> a pretty I'm, interesting I'm take on gonna, that movie. 
go on a limb and say Robin's being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If he's not or if she's not, I'm okay. I'm open to it. <laughs> you know, if there was something that I think popped up also over and over and over again, besides the best years of our lives, which so many people just pointed to as a film that they adored, people said, my God, we don't need this many Westerns. We don't need this many Vietnam movies. Um, in the words of Jeff Heinbrock, don't make future generations slog through the white heteromasculine hegemony. You know, people also shouted out uh, how they loved, you know, the Mockingbird episode to kill a Mockingbird that uh, Bograd uh, fig turds said that <laughs> that the horror movie connection really jumped out at him and it made him feel validated and smart because we said things that he thought. And I love that connection that we have. And, and you know, um, actually, Latina Lana, she said, you know, E.T., our episode in E.T. made her cry. And I love that we can talk about these movies that affect us so uh, so greatly. I think that that's been really fun here, too, to kind of get into deeper conversations around these movies. And I think a lot of times we talk about it in the context of current politics, but also just about relationships, you know, whether it's single parents or if it's, you know, uh, if it's just about the past taking over the future, the the child taking over for the adult. There's so many big ideas here, and, and I love talking about them with you. Me too. And, you know, if I... Uh... Could be a little personal thing about my favorite actual moment moment during the show. Mm -hmm. There's one that I always think of. And no, it's not when I surprised you during the Forrest Gump episode with um, Postmating's Bubba Gump. Um, <laughs> it was... My stomach still hurts from that. <laughs> it was the day that our Titanic episode came out. Um, I happened to be in New York the day that our, our Titanic episode came out. And I was walking down Fifth Avenue, I think, and checking my Twitter. And there were just so many messages from people who said that the moment when we played the beautiful score, when the old people are in the, in the bed, that's slowly filling up with water, that just mm -hmm. hearing that score made them cry. And, mm -hmm. and that so many other people are touched by a moment that I find so incredibly touching and, and just feeling like we all shared a moment with that movie together. Even if we weren't watching the movie together, we were just thinking about our favorite scenes in the movie together. That warmed my heart so deeply and uh, and in a way that I think you will see that ember continue to burn as we figure out what stays on this list, what has to stay on this list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like my interactions with the people who listen to this show have been amazing. I do another podcast called How Did This Get Made? And, you know, it's we obviously look at bad films and have fun talking about bad films. But I felt like I had so many interesting conversations from people in many different walks of life and many different ages uh, about, you know, these films, whether it was somebody saying like, oh, I... I could have something to talk about with to my parents or um, we made this like our quarantine activity, whatever it was. I think we created a really interesting community. I think you all who listen created an amazing community by keeping this discussion going online. So I've always been really impressed by that and the live shows that we've done. And we're going to continue to do more of that on our Stitcher Premium show, just kind of continue to make our fans talk and see what's on their mind. I mean, I think part of our season two plan is to have you influence what we pick. We have laid down a very, very big task, right, Amy? We we said, let's cut 50 movies off this list. 50 movies, um, which means that we're cutting off high quality movies that we both love to make room. I mean, really just to make room. Um, let's talk about our bottom 10. These are the films that we believe after watching all 100 belong in the 90 to 100 category. Again, not saying that they're bad, but they just 
maybe these are the first ones that we would kick off the list. And we also asked uh, Devin and Josh uh, to kind of weigh in here as well. But I wanted to look at all of our our bottom tens. Yeah, let's just peel off the Band-Aid, right? Let's just go straight for it. Let's just say like, <laughs> okay, the guys, you're off the list, right? I, because we have to ease into this somehow. So maybe we just ease into it with the ones that are uniformly agreed we can get rid of. Uh, Amy, what is on your bottom 10? All right, I'll start. I ranked these. So I will start with my number one and I'll go to my 10. So my number one is the one oh, that wow. I'm off the list the most. Number one, French Connection. Two, MASH. Three, Forrest Gump. Four, Tootsie. Five, Ben-Hur. Six, American Graffiti. Seven, Shawshank. Eight, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Nine, Swing Time. And 10, Spartacus. Goodbye. You know, Amy, we have a, actually a lot of overlap on this list. I had a couple of different uh, reactions. Um, I wanted off Raging Bull, The Searchers, Some Like It Hot, The Deer Hunter, and Easy Rider. Those were uh, the ones that I added to some of the ones that you already had on the list. And, you know, for multiple reasons, um, you know, primarily for me, those are movies that didn't really age well. I I feel like they may have been of a time or a moment, um, but they just felt to me like not as interesting as the rest of the films we discussed on the list. You know, that's totally fair. Like when I was coming up with my way of culling this herd, what I did is I divided things into my musts and my maybes and my no's. And everything on your list is is also one of my maybes or my no's. So I think that's a pretty solid excuse for kicking off Raging Bull, for kicking off the searchers. I'm surprised. I always feel like I'm the only one who doesn't love some like it hot as much as I should. But I feel vindicated by the fact that you also have it on this list. Well, part of this new thing that we're going to be doing is talking about a new list. And for me, there are better Billy Wilder films that can go on this list, or we kind of have a couple Billy Wilder films here too, you know? Uh, so it, it fell to the bottom. I want to make room. I do want to look at Devin and Josh's uh, bottom list uh, because they both agreed on something that I was toying with, <laughs> which is the sound of music. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I mean, talk about it. Yeah. The, the music is all time great. It's just, there's so much stuff in between the songs that's just like, it's, it's so long. The, the music is great. My mom made me watch it many times as a kid, so I've seen it multiple, multiple times. I just, uh, I mean, it's certainly not the best musical on the list. And just in general, I could go without ever seeing it again. I Believe me, I hear, I, I wrestled with it for the same exact reason. The music kind of outweighs, it's like Mamma Mia. It's like the plot of Mamma Mia is crazy (laughs) and it's not good, but you leave going, oh, I love that music. And so you forget like your your sense of what the movie is versus what the music is. It's it's a hard way to kind of parse it. Now, Josh, you also threw your weight behind axing um, some stuff that I think uh, might raise a couple eyebrows. You, You voted to ax a clockwork orange and Network, and Saving Private Ryan. Now, I appreciate a good Saving Private Ryan troll because I also think that movie has to be off the list. Goodbye to that. I'm also fine saying goodbye to Clockwork Orange, mainly for the reason that we love 2001, right? I think 2001's going to stay. We got to start killing some Kubricks. I think a Clockwork Orange can go. Yeah, and and, 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 I mean, and Dr. Strangelove, and there's some some good Kubricks that kind of have to stay. Yeah, I agree. Network is... On on my musts list, but okay, we can start. We can start talking. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Network was on my maybe list. Uh, I really loved it, but it also felt like this issue that I had with the AFI was a lot of these films were zeitgeisty films, right? All the right. President's Men, important movie, but it came out at a time when people were interested in this and they wanted to, you know, it gets embraced in a stronger way 
because I think it hits in a moment where we want it. And it's hard to kind of separate that from, is it a good film or is it a really relevant film? And, and that's, you know, network to me feels like I like it, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as we've gone past it, it almost seems quaint, but yet I do like a lot of the stuff it's saying. It, it's a maybe for me. It's a maybe. I wanted to like it a lot more. That's why I have Easy Rider on my list of bottom 10 also, because Easy Rider, I think, is a cultural moment. But as a movie, I think it's pretty thin narratively. Yes. It it looks amazing. And that box set the Criterion have of all the movies made by BBS Studios, every other movie in it is like a slam dunk. But Easy Rider, eh, not for me. I agree. Let's get rid of it. Also my bottom 10. Yeah. (laughs) Easy Rider is gone. I mean, Network was just, it was, it was one of my very first experiences of watching a movie that was sold to me as, you know, one of the all-time classics. And me just, not even, I, most of the movies in my bottom 10 are ones that I was just kind of blah on. And that was one that really actively rubbed me the wrong way when I saw it. I don't like the, I don't like the writing style. It feels, every line feels so overwritten to me. It feels like so much of it is like, it's writing for the theme and for the symbolism and not in ways that it seems like real characters would ever act. It's just, I, 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 it felt like figure out the chalkboard sometimes. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Then, then I say, I will, I will take this film off my musts. Goodbye network. I will ask in our trade-off that in season two, we have figured out a point to get to Marty, which is also written by Patty Chayefsky. Remember we Ooh. played a clip of it during Ooh, network. Yeah. I remember that yeah. clip, but that clip really stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, I, I need to sure. see that movie. Okay. 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 These are the things we do. We're doing it guys. <laughs> We're doing it. We're horse trading. It's brutal. And let's hear what the Spoolers said was on their bottom 10. And and this is one of the films, you know, to me, uh, that I feel like probably we all kind of agree on. And I'm surprised it didn't make my bottom 10, but it was an easy one to cut. American Graffiti, that's number one at the Spoolers' bottom 10. They did not like this movie. I feel like it does not represent anything that needs... This list is better than that film. Uh, That film was fine. But when you have movies like The Last Picture Show on this list... Uh, it holds. It doesn't even hold a candle to it. Yeah, American Graffiti was on my and Amy's list. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I will say, there's one film in the Spoolers bottom ten that breaks my heart, and it's oh, no. Intolerance. Intolerance is also uh, on my musts because, my God, to see an epic silent film like that, to understand how big films used to be here, you know, that it, that it isn't a question of they started small and then got big it's that they were always big and sometimes bigger than we've ever imagined them being today and i really love intolerance and that one hurts i don't know if i'm ready to get rid of it (laughs) i will say that i kept it on my list for the same reason in the grand scheme of things that 2001 and titanic are on the list because it is it is a spectacle beyond spectacle. And there is something so triumphant about that. Now, obviously, D.W. Griffith, crazy racist, problematic director, all that is to true. But I think there is something about like, wow, that movie pushed forward film and what you could do. I mean, there was something I didn't love that film, but I did love the artistry of that film, which is a tough bargain. Um, and also, listen, you get rid of Intolerance. There's nothing on this list that represents the first 15 major years of Hollywood history. You know, the, the, the movies that made Hollywood Hollywood. I mean, and I almost feel like Intolerance isn't really a case where you could say like, well, we can do another giant silent epic from the teens. It's just there, there are no giant silent epics from the teens like mm-hmm. this one. It's just absolutely singular, man. And I feel like We'll be missing a piece of history if people don't witness this. I mean, it's Mad Max. Witness this. 
<laughs> Other ones on this list that we didn't mention so far, uh, The Wild Bunch. See, uh, now Shane. That, that, that upsets yeah. me, The Wild Bunch, because I, I understand, you know, Peckinpah, again, is a problematic character. We discussed that on the, on yeah. the episode at some length. But I just love Peckinpah movies. Now, I don't think Wild Bunch is his best movie. It is the most impactful that he made. But, like, I, I would argue for, in season two, exploring some other Peckinpah films, because I truly think Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia and uh, and Straw Dogs, while both of them are, oh. you know, and Ballad of Cable Hogue, he has a lot of movies that are worth looking at. So I, I understand why they're taking it off, but it saddens me the idea of a list without any Peckinpah. Well, that, I mean, I think that we should just keep on reiterating that when we take off these films, I think we're also taking off these films for exactly what you said, Devin, like to replace them with a better pick, not the right. one, like, I think when you think of Peckinpah, you think Wild Bunch. You don't think Straw Dogs or Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia because, like, America has put, you know, it's like it's in the Library of Congress, so that's the best one. The same issue that we had with Swing Time, which is voted off by 91% on our Spooler's Bottom 10. It There are better films, but yet Swing Time is elevated because it's part of the cultural conversation. And, uh, and, why, would you, and why would you have The Deer Hunter when you could have Heaven's Gate? Uh, a, tr- a true, a true masterpiece overlooked uh, in its time. There must be a Chimino on this list. No, I'm joking. I am not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, should we go to the top 10? Should we go from the top to the bottom? Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about this. I know we gave the assignment last week to cut 50. Yeah. And I found that to actually be very easy. Um, the, my first, like, slash and burn got me at 59. And then I was able to just knock down those nine to get to 50. But to get to this top 10, I want to hear how you approached it. Because I approached it in a couple different ways. I approached it like a mini list. What is representative? What is a full, like if I only had 10 movies left to watch, would this be diverse enough? And that's kind of what I was wrestling with when I made my 10. So like when I had to cut down, I was cutting great films, but I was like, what shows the best scope? I mean, how did you do it? Actually, a lot like that. A lot like that. Like there were a couple of films that I thought maybe hit the same emotional beat. And so when that happened, I pulled one out and swapped another one in that was right up there with it. All right. Well, since you you went first um, last time for bottom 10, I'm going to start. I'll read my top 10. Uh, we'll also hear uh, Josh and Devin's top 10. But uh, maybe as I go through it, tell me if you got it or you don't got it. Right. So uh, my top and this is what we talked about from episode one, Citizen Kane. It really was unbeatable. Uh, when you look at it from all the perspectives, the writing, the directing, the editing, the scope, uh, I believe its spot is worthy at the top of this list. 
got it and also ranked it number one. You're right. Nothing knocked it off. Nothing checked off every single box. And was that dazzling? Nothing. Um, I also had in my top 10 uh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, I feel like, is the ultimate, uh, ultimate kids film, family movie, but also uh, just incredibly special, beautiful musical. Uh, rewatchability just continues to grow on this film. I, I, I believe it belongs in the top 10 for so many reasons. Same here. And in fact, I ranked my top 10 too, and I bumped Wizard of Oz up to number two. So Ooh. my number two are Citizen Kane and Wizard of Oz. I just think Wizard of Oz is the most foundational movie on this list. Um, well, speaking of foundational movies, I already talked about this, but 2001 on my top 10. I didn't really rank my top 10 in order. I should have probably done that. I just kind of threw them all in there and slammed the door. I was like, I kind of was <laughs> like filling a closet like Uncle Buck. I was like, just get in there. Um, but, uh, but 2001, you just can't beat it. I, I don't. I just don't see a movie that is that forward thinking on this list with the fact that it looks like it could have been made this year. It really blows me away. I agree. I kept it too. Um, I needed to put some Marx Brothers on my list. So I did put Duck Soup in my top 10. I wanted a big, bold comedy in my top 10. And I love the Marx Brothers. And I think Duck Soup is their best, most subversive uh, work that they have. I did not put Duck Soup up that high, but I did vote to keep it. So, Duck Soup, you right. are safe by me. Is it your favorite Marx Brothers on the list? You know, I stuck up for A Night at the Opera when we did A Night at the Opera. Just, I think, honestly, to make it interesting. Um, but since I'm going through this list, I'm realizing we will probably never have anything like The Great Dictator on here from Chaplin. I feel like Duck Soup gets a touch of that that political jokesterism and also is a Marx brother. So I can I think I am fine with this. Yes. All right, let's go to another film that I feel like has to be on your list, which is Casablanca. Yeah, I kept Casablanca. I put Casablanca at number 4. Oh, interesting. I like it. No, I think that that movie I know there's a lot of argument over Vertigo. Should that be the number 1 film? And I honestly believe that the better conversation might be Citizen Kane versus Casablanca because so many people haven't seen Citizen Kane, right? But they know it's good. And I think that's what we discovered a lot when we did this podcast in the beginning. Like, oh, I've never saw that film. I feel like most people have seen Casablanca. And I wonder if that elevates it because it is a little bit more popular. I mean, not to say that we should base this list on popularity because then Shawshank would be, you know, in the top five. But uh, I wonder if that film has more resonance as a classic, traditional American film, and it's so well-rounded, and it and it's complex, and it's just not white faces. There's something really cool about that movie that I think is, it makes it an interesting debate. I don't know if I completely agree it should be number one, but I think it's a debate. I agree. And you know, I was thinking about it, Casablanca being so strong and being so high on this list for me, it freed me up to do some stuff I don't think I could have imagined doing earlier in the show, which is I got rid of Maltese Falcon. I was like, you know, yes, same cast, loving Mike Bogart, loving this kind of like intrigue world. What I think is interesting about Casablanca, I was actually having this debate with my boyfriend, is I was saying it has just enough noir that it made it okay for me to par pare down a lot of the noir on my list. Yes. And I know it's not a, it's not a straight noir. I'm not trying to say that at all. But I think there are modern noirs that maybe I'll throw in for the modern noir part. Keep Casablanca for the older black and white noirs and see what happens next. 
Um, another movie that I talked about at the top of the show as being one of my favorite episodes, but also a movie that is incredibly uh, effective to this day is Do the Right Thing. And uh, I feel like this movie, even in the last month, has gotten a lot of uh, play and people have revisited it and kind of appreciated it um, for how great it, it was and continues to be. Uh, did that make your list? Uh, Paul, not only did it make my list, it left up all the way from 96 on the AFI list to seven. I mean, this Whoa. movie made the biggest moves of anything on this list for me. I was like, what are you doing in the 90s? You are a top 10 film. Honestly, the the energy and passion and skill, that amazing like tracking camera out the window, it just works on every single corner. And, you know, I kept thinking as I was putting delegate of this list, like, here's a film that I feel like represents an interesting corner of America, whether it's veterans, whether it's, you know, whether it's the Great Depression, do the right thing, represents so much of where we are and where we have been. It represents a longer period of time than anything on this list in terms of how this country is. It's top 10 material all the way. Well, I think we really are sharing a lot of similar films here. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that if we're talking about a classic film that actually is saying something about our society and also doing something that is technically masterful, we have to talk about Chaplin and Modern Times has to be in our top 10. Yeah, Modern Times rounds out out my top three, the way that I have it now. Right now it's like, it's Citizen Kane, Wizard of Oz, Modern Times. That to me is a perfect trifecta. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, another film that jumps out to me that is in that top grouping is Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain is just, I mean, I was wrestling with that or Wizard of Oz. And I don't think I, I was like, oh, they, are they about the same? I, I was nervous to put something that was so similar in the top 10, but they both are so joyful, so colorful, so beautiful. I couldn't not put a movie about Hollywood in this top 10 that I just love so much. I agree. It's a whole subplot about being about the transition from silent to sound made it top 10 for me. You know, not just the joy bomb of it, not just the fact that we do need a big old splashy musical, but that too, that it tells a story that I think is so relevant to this list. Now, I do see in our lists a few areas of disagreement. Yeah. Um, I put Lawrence of Arabia on my list and I killed The Godfather. It's, 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 I'm keeping The Godfather in my, right. in of my course. upper 50. I did kill Godfather too because I'm like, you know what? We're fine. I'm good. So I did got I. one Godfather. So did I. I'm fine. You did a while ago, but I yeah. didn't keep Godfather in my top 10. You, however, did. I did. I, I really loved this movie. I loved it so much. I had enough distance from it that it pulled me in just like, just like Al Pacino. Pulling them back in. Uh, no, I don't know. I just thought it was a classic, great film. Another staple of our society. I feel like Casablanca and Godfather are like quintessential American films. Great performances. I think it's the best Francis Ford Coppola film. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I conversation. Mean, conversation is pretty amazing. Yeah, the conversation's by Coppola. Yeah, yeah. me too. All right. Well, interesting. I, I put it in my top 10. I It was the way I felt in the moment. I could watch that more than I could watch Lawrence of Arabia, in my opinion. I think Lawrence of Arabia is beautiful. It stays in my top 50. Absolutely. But as far as an enjoyable experience, and that's the other way I judge this. What do I want to watch? What do I want to put on and watch? And Lawrence of Arabia, I want to see it the right way. But 
It's not like, ooh, I got to watch that again. I love the soundtrack. Bought it on vinyl. It's great. <laughs> you know what makes me really happy, Paul, is when I look at our two ten lists next to each other, we agree on seven of them. That's yeah. outstanding. Like, way to go, us, honestly. Where we disagree is the Lawrence of Arabia Godfather thing. Um, you putting on duck soup, and then I, instead of duck soup, put on sunrise. Ooh, I mean, it's hard to fight you on sunrise. I mean, sunrise is, I mean, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, wow. I. This is what I'm saying. This is really like, it's so hard to, to pick something. And I was like, well, we have one silent film. I don't know. And so, yeah, it, if, it was definitely in my top 15. And for the last slot that we disagreed on, we both went to the 90s. Yes, we did. I did Titanic. And you, mm -hmm. what did you do? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm glad to have that difference of opinion. I am not a Titanic hater. I'm not even a Titanic hater before the show. You didn't convince me uh, to appreciate Titanic. I appreciate Titanic. I appreciate Titanic like I appreciate Intolerance. Uh, I think that James Cameron is amazing. I also think that movie has cultural relevance. I don't think it's my favorite James Cameron film, but I also was not going to cut that from the list at all in any way, shape, or form. I just think you can't, you can't ignore technical mastery. Like when it's that giant and pushes the ball that much forward, it's, it's a no brainer. It's got to be on the best films of all time list. I appreciate that. And I'm also glad that you kept Pulp Fiction. I'll admit, in my first draft of this list, I got real harsh and I put Pulp Fiction as a maybe only because I was like, there are so many great other Tarantinos. Are we sure? Are we sure? I just want to really talk about it, really be sure that this is the Tarantino. But it is a little hard to deny that it is the Tarantino, right? I mean... I, I think as far as like the cultural relevancy of that film, the copycat of that film... Yeah, I, I I think there's a great debate to be had about what is the best Tarantino, but it's undeniable that Pulp Fiction is incredibly special. It's It just is. I mean, I love Tarantino as much as I love Kubrick. And, uh, you know, there are multiple great films that they make, but there is something iconic about Pulp Fiction, in my opinion. It's true. And now I do have to say, um, and this is tricky for me to say, I did a little bit of horse trading with myself when it came to putting Titanic on my list mm. because here's the thing, you know, I've been wrestling with this, you know, I've been wrestling with this for a while. Like I deep down very much love a film that is on the AFI's top 10 list, Gone with the Wind. And I have decided that right now for this list, Maybe it's just my time to love this film quietly, but listen to other people if they think it is time to have a really serious talk about taking the film off my list. It doesn't mean I can't still love what I love about it and admit the parts of it that I think are flawed. But I did think if I was going to say goodbye to a gigantic, sprawling, historical epic about haves and have-nots um, centered on a fascinating female character, well then, if I am putting that one aside for now, I am replacing it with a film that I think satisfies so many of those boxes for me. I appreciate that. I I uh, I'm really interested in that. That's really. I mean, look, we're constantly wrestling with these issues in film, and and we've wrestled with it on the show. We're going to continue to wrestle with it. Uh, hopefully, less and less. But we have to acknowledge these movies, and you know, we you know, and we, and I think we're we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. 
Um, I do want to talk about Josh and Devin's top 10 because Josh and Devin, I looked at your top 10s and I love them. I, I really, really do. And what you picked um, were films that definitely were in my top 20. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about some of the overlap that you guys have. Because uh, yeah. in addition to it, like let's let's, let's go through it. Like The Apartment, uh, 12 Angry Men, Silence of the Lambs, Star Wars. Star Wars! None of you Star guys Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, shocked by this. Like, oh, come on. Possibly the most pos- like popular and influential movie of all time. And it seems yeah, broadly it's, it's, out of top 10. Uh, are you, are you going to say that A New Hope is a top 10? Ten I know. movie of all time, Josh. That's just, what I was wrestling with. You can't, you can't say you it can't is. Argue that? No, you can't. It's just argue it's, that. A, it's a movie where you, it's, even the flaws are what makes it special. It's just like it's impossible. No to disagreement. No disagreement about that. I love Star. I I like Star Wars. I grew up with it. I love Star Wars. That movie's pure entertainment. It's great. It's not one of the top ten best movies of all time. I, I I have to. I do have to agree with Devin. There is a giant Star Wars fan as a person who lives in a house where each family member has their own lightsaber right now because <laughs> my child is it into attacking us with lightsabers it is i wouldn't even pick that as my favorite star wars film but that's the thing uh and that's and but here's the thing i also appreciate it and i get it like i'm not i can't slam you for it i just don't no. think it belongs in the top 10 Right. It's. I mean, but, it's. A, it's. It's not necessarily like my top ten movies ever. It's the top ten out of this specific list of one hundred. Yes. So it is like it's, it's. not. It's not an exact replica of my taste. But in terms of just. And like, by the way, people should know that you are wearing a Darth Vader mask right now as you're recording this. So. <laughs> yeah. So if I sound a little fuzzy or my breathing's heavy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, just in terms of just the, the the entire package of it and the experience of it and everything that comes. I mean, it's it is hard to separate Star Wars from its place in the culture. Maybe more than almost any other movie on this list. But it's just like. It's just mm-hmm. it's just like symbolizes so much about movies and what movies can do to me. It's hard it's hard to find out. I, I I agree with you. There's a movie that really affected me that you both put on your list that made it into like my top twelve, which is Taxi Driver. Yeah, <sighs> talk and, about because I've already talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Well, I will say for me, I kind of had uh, the the way I kind of went about picking these ten was really about rewatchability for me, mm-hmm. like. Uh, that was at the top of my list. These are all movies that I own, like physical right. copies of, or or movies that I have owned physical copies of, like when I used to have the pan and scan, or uh, sorry, the, the widescreen uh, VHS of Taxi Driver. I rented it when I worked at Blockbuster, as you once did as well, Paul. Yes, of course. Uh, I had heard, of course, about Taxi Driver for years. I know Martin Scorsese. I rented that movie. I was so affected by it. I went back to work, and I ordered the special widescreen VHS version of it. And I wore that thing out. I've seen Taxi Driver 15, 20 times. I just, it, it's something about the score. It's something about the mood. It's something yeah. about the, 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 the ambiguity of the ending, whether it's real or not, what, what we see by the end. There, there's certain shots like this one where you see Travis Bickle on a phone at the end of the hallway and the camera drifts slowly past and then drifts back again. Like it's just this queasy feel to it. I don't think, I don't think, Scorsese's maybe ever made a better movie than Taxi Driver, and I love I, it. I I really f- wholeheartedly agree. Well, uh, yeah. I had a Taxi Driver on my maybes, but Whoa, I, I, maybes. I, I, I did put a note to myself next to Taxi Driver. I said, I am most open to this out of all the Scorsese's. So oh, that's nice. Taxi Driver, you may live. <laughs> I think it's I think uh, it's my I think it's my top Scorsese. It's just it's like it's a yeah. 
it's like it's like a tooth with a toothache that you can't stop pressing on. It's just this thing that like it's it's painful to dig into, and yet there's like a fascination that you can't completely get over that it never mm. completely resolves in your head. I mean, it really is a movie that stuck with me. I mean, we watched a hundred movies, a movie a week, and it's interesting. Like what stays in your mind? Um, I, there's another movie that you both agreed on that I think is great. Um, it was definitely my top twenty. It's The Apartment. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? I, I think. Of what's of what's on the list, you must keep a wilder. I think that to me mm-hmm. is a personal deal breaker. I absolutely love his movies. And of what is here, I mean, yes, Sunset Boulevard is incredible. I think some like it hot is a very fun movie, but you know, like you guys said, right. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be on the top one hundred of all time. But the apartment is hard to argue with. I mean, it has it's so funny and so dark at the same time. It, it contains so much. There's just so much juice in there to dissect and think about. And the performances are incredible. I mean, that's like the best Shirley MacLaine. That's, uh, come on. Just, like, awesome. Lemon, it's just ugh, yes. off the charts. I love that movie. It's pretty unbelievable. Okay. And uh, I mean, and like, uh, and I was just talking about how Network is a satire that couldn't quite do it for me. But The Apartment is like even a couple decades older. And somehow that satire it just still feels pitch perfect. Yeah. Well, I think what it all comes down to a lot of times is character right and billy wilder writes great character and it doesn't make a difference i i I think i remember those characters much more clearly than i do in network even like i character archetypes are a little bit more in network uh not saying it's bad it just but i don't connect to them all right fred mcmurray's sleaze fred mcmurray is just (laughs) like i love him so much in the apartment he's just the sleaziest it's great all right, all right, you sold me. I was going to keep <laughs> Sunset Boulevard and get rid of the apartment, but fair. You know what? And if, if it helps cover part of the part of the network that, I, that we are giving up, then we can put in the apartment and take out Sunset Boulevard. All right, well, Josh, you are definitely a man of some public opinion on here, which I, I really do like your top 10 list. <laughs> um, but talk to me about Silence of the Lambs, because that is also another movie that was very, I mean, a great, great film, almost... You forget about how great it is, uh, but you know, I, I did about forget that. about how great it is. I um, I the Silence of the Lambs is also my top ten favorite episodes of Unspooled in terms of just one where I mm. really loved the discussion. And um, right after we taped it, I went back and watched it again and kind of like forgot how like it's it's just a perfect thriller. There's at least two just incredible performances at the center of it. It yeah. holds up so well. The tone is it's it is an incredibly well directed movie. The tone is pitch perfect. It's just like. There's, there, you, you, can, you can't even really pick it apart, except for some, for some of the trans stuff, which is aged maybe not perfectly, but even that, not, not terribly. Yeah, Right. I mean, comparatively. I, I would agree. I, that was very close to being in my top 10. That, was like, that would have been right outside of it for me because I, I love Jonathan Demme so much. The only reason I didn't elevate it to top 10 is I, I think there might be Jonathan Demme movies that could beat it onto the list, but they would be tying it at best. You know what I mean? I think Silence of the Lambs, when I rewatched all of, a bunch of his films, like 15 or 16 of them after he passed away, Silence of the Lambs struck me as one of the few like five-star films, like absolutely perfect that I've seen. Where did Married to the Mob fall into that list? I, I, I love Married to the Mob. It's <laughs> no, so good. <laughs> I could never see it when I was a kid. I feel like I should see it again. Michelle Pfeiffer as like a mob it's, wife. I gotta see it's it. It's really, really good. Married to the Mob holds up and is still really funny. I think Something Wild is maybe my favorite of his. Mm-hmm. That's That's a movie that has so much joy and life and energy to it. And you can't possibly predict where it's heading. He has an early movie. Um, I'm spacing on the name now about Howard Hughes, uh, Melvin and Howard. Oh yeah, 
that's very underseen, but I, I was blown away by that film. Uh, highly recommended. Jonathan Demme has a lot of good movies. I can't argue with Silence of the Lambs being on there, but for me, it was like, I can't also for, per- personally say it's one of my top 10. So that's the only reason I didn't put it in mine. But I agree, Josh. Because I know, Amy, you like horror. And we've argued that there's not much horror representation on this list. And I think if you were to say what the horror films on this list are, it would be Sixth Sense and Silence of the Lambs, roughly. And Psycho. Uh, oh, and Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this movie, Amy? I also had it in my maybes. Mm. Uh, wow, what, your that, maybes? My maybes were huge. My, I had 40 <laughs> maybes. I had 40 maybes. I was prepared to do some I had horse 50, trading. Yeah. I guess I didn't do maybes. I just did on or off. But all your maybes are definitely off from my list. <laughs> I mean, definitely on my list. <laughs> well, I went brutal. I only thought 30 films deserve to be musts. You know, musts, wow. musts carved into stone. Hmm. My yeah. maybes, you know, my maybes, I put a lot of notes to the side. Like like for E.T., for example. I was like, you know what? I do love this film, but we got to start parsing down on the Spielbergs. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, another film I love. But, you know, I think we're pretty good on Capra if we keep It's a Wonderful Life. It's, it's, I mean, my maybes are slightly painful. Double Indemnity is on my maybes, and that's incredibly wow. painful to me. Wow. You know, because I, <laughs> I love Stanwyck so much, and I do want a Stanwyck. And I wrote Tempted in capital letters next to it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm brutal. I even put Snow White and the Seven Dwarves as a maybe because I can't I kicked it off. It? I Whoa. kicked it off the list because... My question to myself, like you were doing, was, is there a better Disney film? And we wrestle with this all the time, like the first or the best. And Mm -hmm. I think with Disney, I'd rather go with the best Disney film. I just, or the best Pixar film. I kicked Toy Story off the list as well, because I don't think it's the best Pixar. I think it's a great movie. I love Toy Story. It's not the best. I did the um, same thing. I kicked off Pixar for the same reason. I'd rather see, I don't know, Up in There possibly or Wally. I, my wow, voice interesting is choices always hard. from Amy. Always knocking out the real. The real. <laughs> <laughs> I think Wally's. I think Wally's the best Pixar contender. At Inside really? Out, well, maybe. Yeah, Inside Out is amazing. I mean, I love it, Inside that's Out. amazing. That one is maybe connected with me emotionally the most. Yeah. yeah. I mean, on the original 97 list, they had Fantasia as well for the Disneys. And I am a big sucker of Fantasia. I don't know if Fantasia... I don't know how much popularity Fantasia has today. Because I do wonder if because there aren't really characters, it's more just like scene to scene, musical to musical. But I think Fantasia is such a beautiful artistic achievement. You know, um, I wanted to talk to Devin because, Devin, you did something that I really wrestled with. You put Vertigo as your number one pick on your top 10. And this is obviously uh, an opinion that I think a lot of people have. Talk to me about this because I'm going to tell you what I thought when I was wrestling with Hitchcock, but I want to hear why Vertigo is your number one. Yeah. And, and like you, Paul, I didn't exactly rank them, but also I will say Vertigo is the first one I wrote down without even looking at the list. So that speaks to the fact that it is the first on my mind. I, I'm aware of the fact that when we covered Vertigo and we heard back from a lot of listeners that they felt that, you know, maybe they didn't connect with it or they didn't. And I know Amy had some uh, issues with like kind of buying the logic of this, the characters and their interactions, etc. And I think all of that is there. But all of that is why I like the movie. I like that it's unknowable and that you cannot get under its skin. It remains resistant to full interpretation. And I find that to be the work of a piece of art that thrills me. Uh, I've maybe seen that movie 25, 30 times Mm. in my life. Um, As recently as last year when we covered it, I went back and watched it again. And I just love it. I love everything about it. 
um, including the things that are wrong with it. You know, my issue with it was I really enjoyed it. I think it's the most complicated Hitchcock film yeah. that I've seen. And I haven't seen them all, but it's, to me, it feels like the most mature, complicated film. But I'll tell you, Rear Window elevated in this discussion. I was looking at them like if we could only keep one. Because North mm. by Northwest also, I feel like, has like James Bondy elements. I feel like I see things there. But then Rear Window just overtook it. Like when I was yeah. playing with it. Uh, and I don't know if that's, it is a more accessible film, but I still think it's a complex film. Uh, I still think it's an adult film. Uh, but that's what that's what I kind of got into. Those three and the conversation that they all have together. Uh, I kick Psycho off not because of anything. I love Psycho. I think it's amazing. But there's a lot of Hitchcock. And I was just trying to make room for different types of horror to be represented. Uh, but again, Psycho is a classic film that I love. It, this is just like, this at this point are kicking off, are kicking off great, amazing films. Yeah. It's not top 100. I yet. mean, Paul, we basically had the exact same mental mental path. I was like, when I looked at the four Hitchcocks, North by Northwest was pretty easy. I was like, you're mm -hmm. gone. Um, Psycho, I decided to kill that one too. Because remember, it was just like the second half of that isn't as good as any other part of, of Vertigo or Rear Window. That's totally true. The second mm -hmm. half of Psycho is nowhere near as compelling as the beginning. Yeah, but then I yeah. found myself boiled down to Vertigo versus Rear Window, and I went with Rear Window too for the same <laughs> thing. Because I, 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 I appreciate everything that Devin is saying about the spell that Vertigo puts on you. I think that's so true. And I think, that I wish we had a culture of more ambiguity in our films. Right. And yet, Rear Window has everything that's like titillating and creepy about Hitchcock and also Grace Kelly just being phenomenal. Totally, and yes. And so Rear Window took the win for me. There's a few other movies that stick out on both of your top 10 lists, but I want to talk about a shocking omission. Neither of you have Citizen Kane on your top 10 lists. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Citizen Kane is incredible, I think. But it, as I said, kind of rewatchability is a big factor for me. And mm -hmm. the last time I saw it was maybe 10 years ago. And again, I think it's flawlessly made and executed. But I just I just have I, it's never a movie I want to come back to and rewatch. I like a lot of other Orson Welles movies like in a more like a, um, I feel closer to them personally, like F for Fake or or Touch of Evil or Chimes at Midnight. Like Citizen Kane is incredible, but it's just. I don't know. I just don't find myself wanting to go back and revisit it. That argument, I just want to like hit on that for one second because I had a hard time devaluing it, right? Like saying it's not worthy because it's so mm -hmm. impressive. But what you're saying is also, you know, I don't think that movie stuck with me the way that other films did. But then I also felt like, Am I just being contrarian to be contrarian? Is Am I also just adopting it as my number one because it is the number one. It's just easier to say it's the number one film. It's a tricky movie because it carries a weight to it um, yeah. that feels like it's the one that probably feels like homework the most. That's why I think a lot of people haven't seen it, but it is something I'm wrestling with. Like, I think it's great, but I would probably watch the nine other films on my top 10 first before that one. Yeah, my, my thought process is really similar to yours and Devin's, which is like, if I'm going to re revisit any of the films in my top 10, they're all movies, like if you said, hey, let's put this on right now, I'd be excited to rewatch it. And I wouldn't feel the same way about Kane. It doesn't feel like a movie you want to like come back to again and again and like hang out in and live in that world. 
Well, y'all just don't like watching women put together jigsaw puzzles. I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) I think that movie is so funny. I think that movie is so crisp and intelligent and smart. I think the acting is wonderful. And I think if that movie was on right now, you would all stop talking into this microphone and go stare at it because it is amazing. (laughs) You just, you need to be put in front of it and somebody else hits play. That's what you're saying. You need some tooth. You need some clockwork orange treatment. Fine. (laughs) Well, (laughs) talking about omissions, I want to talk about our list compared to the AFI's top 10 list. And I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, we've talked about some of the differences, but um, the the one movie that is on their top 10 that's not on any of our lists is Schindler's List and Raging Bull. And let's talk about Raging Bull first, because mm. Raging Bull, to me, that was easy. I, I think this is like... I think this is like a, a misprint. It's number four on the AFI list. Like yeah. number four. I just don't get it. I mean, we watched all these movies. I I think it's, there's a lot of good things about it, but it's not a number. It's not one of the, it's not number four. It's just not in my opinion. No, it's just not either. I mean, I will stick up for a lot of Raging Bull in that I think it is a really interesting examination of toxic masculinity. But my God, like 10 other films on this list are really interesting examinations. Taxi Driver. Put Taxi taxi Driver. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can let that one toxic man go. It was the first one on my list of cuts. So, like, the same as Vertigo popped into my head unbidden when I thought, what do I want to get rid of? I was like, Raging Bull, get out of (laughs) here. Yeah, I, uh, I really was... I'm just shocked it's that high on the AFI list. It's just it just speaks to probably who is voting for these films. And and again, maybe when it came in or you're I guess in my mind, I always think of Raging Bull as being great. And when I watch it, I was like, oh, it's not as great as other movies I've watched in this list. It's not even my favorite Scorsese. It's 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 I don't know. Um, And then Schindler's List. I think we've all talked about the rewatchability factor of it. Right. Like the idea like. Oh, I want to rewatch it. I think Schindler's is not a movie that you you pop in because it's like, oh, what a great rewatch. I think it had so much amazing, so many great elements. And, uh, you know, there's humor, there's darkness, there's hope, there's 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 so much going on. It's a very complex movie, but it's not also in my top 10. I don't think. While important, I don't know if it's one of the best films made. And, and may, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I mean, we all agree that's not in our top 10. No, in fact, it, I put it on my maybes, which makes me feel oh, like wow. a bad person. I mean, th- where I do believe strongly in the idea of trying to limit people to one film on the list, only because when you really think about it, there's so many people who aren't covered. And I think I mentioned this in an earlier episode. I would love to have a Lynch film on here. I'd love to have a Racerhead or Blue Velvet or something that captures a lot of that ambiguity that Devin and I really love. And that means we got to do some mean, mean cuts. And Saving Private Ryan was easy. Schindler's List, you know, I mean... The problem with with Spielberg is that all his films are so different from each other that it is hard. You are axing a color of the rainbow if you get one of rid of, rid of one of his films. But once I did it, I but didn't it, feel that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's to me, it definitely stayed on my top fifty uh, without a doubt. Uh, and I think it's better and more watchable than people remember it to be. And that's the thing that I was most surprised by in the rewatch. I was like, oh, this has a lot of elements that I've forgotten. I just thought of it as incredibly depressing, uh, you know, melodramatic. And it's not that. It still has all the hallmarks of Spielberg, which is just another tip of the cap to be like, he's a fantastic director. But again, um, 
we need to make room. We need to make room for other directors. There's four Spielbergs on the list. Yes. Like you have to make a choice at some point which ones you keep, you know? And yeah, I, I don't know that Schindler's List would be mine. In fact, in my top 10, it was E.T. Because when, it, yes. when, when push comes to shove, it's like, I, I can't fault anything about that movie. And it still works on me today like it did when I was eight. Would you keep E.T. over Jaws? I think I, that was what I, I, I thought about it for a couple minutes. And yes, I think I would. I put E.T. against Wizard of Oz. Because in my top 10, I was like, what is battling out here? Like, because I tried to pick different flavors and be conscious of different flavors. You know, not have two noirs in the top or not have two slapsticks, you know. um, And so I was looking at the two of them, like Wizard of Oz and E.T., Wizard of Oz and E.T. And I picked Wizard of Oz. I've shown E.T. to my children and they love it. We just saw it at the drive-in, but we have not watched Wizard of Oz yet, um, which maybe we should. But uh it was interesting. I, that was in it. That was the battle I had. And and maybe if I was being more truthful to myself, maybe I would have picked ET. Wait. So wait. 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 Let's talk about this. If we're keeping mm-hmm. one, if we are keeping one Spielberg, which one is it going to be? Is it going to be ET or Jaws? Munich. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, cl- cl- I mean, Close Encounters isn't on this list. That was going to say. Like, I, and I feel. I feel more tempted to keep that, you know, or, or work towards having it on the list. I felt, yeah. as I was looking at Spielbergs, I was like, none of, like, the Spielbergs I, like, identify with most are here. It, Close Encounters, uh, Jurassic Park. Um, I really, mm-hmm. I, I that, you really got me uh, thought-provoked, Paul, with putting Jurassic Park over Jaws, possibly. I still think there's a Much to the chagrin it. of everybody who listens to this show, they were going <laughs> to keep me alive. Are you saying we should leave a blank space for Spielberg, like a TBD? Like, it could be E.T. or Jaws, but possibly it won't? Well... I, mean, I don't hate that idea because I think we all agree. I mean, how many great movies has Spielberg made yeah. that everyone loves? Like at least eight, nine, ten for sure. I have a real yeah. soft I mean, spot like, for Minority Report, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Actually, his War of the Worlds is really good. It is it's really very good. underrated. It I is. mean, to me, it's it's only Super Eight. It's like Super Eight versus ET, <laughs> and I know it's a co-directing thing, so it's different. <laughs> it's hard for me to make that choice. Uh, I think quintessential Spielberg is ET. I think yeah. Jaws is a great movie. I don't think that Jaws is quintessential Spielberg. I think mm. when you think of the type of film that the classic Spielberg made, and I think he's aged incredibly well as a director and, and, and really challenged himself, but the Spielberg that we all know, E.T. is it. I mean, that wraps up so many parts of him. I, I yeah. don't know, in my, in my mind. That is I kind of agree. true. I think I do agree with that, honestly. Um, yeah. Then maybe we should just have E.T. as an asterisk. We can possibly replace it. <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's talk about the Spoolers top 10. Because the Spoolers uh, on our Facebook group, they really had a couple of big ones. We've already talked about Star Wars. That's number five on their list. But um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, talking about Spielberg, that is on their list as a top 10 film. Interesting. And actually, when you when you look at their top 10 list, it's an incredibly popular list. I'm just read it real quick. It's Citizen Kane, Wizard of Oz, Casablanca, Singing in the Rain, Star Wars, The Godfather, Psycho, It's a Wonderful Life, All About Eve, and Raiders. All movies, with maybe the exception of Citizen Kane, that we would, I think most people would watch if it was on TV, right? Just And, and there's something to be said for that. Like the idea of these are the comfort foods. These are the movies that we just love and they rewatch and they're great. Um, but I was surprised that Raiders made it up that high. I love Raiders, and it's one of my favorite movies. 
Yeah. But it doesn't feel classy enough to be in the top 10 for me. Yeah, I really love Raiders. I also put Raiders as a maybe, but I love Raiders so much. The main reason I put Raiders as a maybe is because I do think we have some territory to explore in the films that it is honoring. You know, in Mm -hmm. like the classic Errol Flynn, Robin Hoods, the big old adventures from the 30s and 40s. That that was my only maybe for it. You know, maybe the way to honor that film is to honor what it loves. Mm. Josh, what do you think? Raiders in the top 10? I feel like this is a conversation that you should weigh in on. <laughs> Why well, am I like the token populist of this group? That's fine with me. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm with you, right? By the way, like I am I am the token populist normally. So I, I want to hear I like I like your opinions. To me, honestly, like the really populist pick that stands out to me is It's a Wonderful Life, which is maybe mm. one of like the most watched movies just because it's on every holiday season. Um, you know, so many people have seen that. I think it's I think it's maybe the Capra that stuck out most to to you guys. Um, yeah. I think there's a real argument for it. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. I mean that that one definitely was on my list, and it was something that I really wrestled with because I think what I learned the most. We talked about like what stuck out to us. Capra. I have an appreciation for Capra that he never had before. I realized that Capra doesn't stand for what I thought it stood for. You know, I think people it, it was an abused term when you call something Capra esque. You know, he was much more biting and. Uh, I don't know, just had a more pessimistic point of view. But, you know, I think we remember him as just being like, everything is great and sugar-coated. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, that was... That certainly was a- not the case with It's a Wonderful Life, which <laughs> no. truly, despite the fact that it's on every Christmas, is one of the darkest movies ever made. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I think it's why it's stuck around, and I think it's why it's resonated so much to people, is it's not just like a, a feel-good thing you put on. It's like it, t- kinda, it really takes you through a journey. Yeah. yeah, It's a Wonderful Life is an absolute must to me. And I appreciate that they have All About Eve. Like, if we have All About Eve yeah. on the musts and it's high, the part of me that dies a little bit about trading Sunset Boulevard for the apartment is okay. Because we are right. still being like, look at that amazing actress just tear the fucking roof off this theater. Yeah. All About Eve is incredible. It's such a good movie. Um, okay. I'm we... feeling better. I'm feeling better about these cuts. <laughs> I like this horse trading. Yeah. <laughs> no, this has been really fun. And we, we can put... um. You know, Amy, you you have your 30 musts, your 40 maybes, and your 30 no's. Uh, but we only have a little bit of time in this podcast. And I think we talked about a lot of the movies that really jumped out. Is there any movie that anyone uh, just wants to revisit really quickly before we kind of talk about season two and what we're going to be doing in season two? I, I do have one that was on my top 10 that we didn't talk about. And I don't think I saw anyone mention, but I remember at the time, did uh, a lot of listeners did really like it. And that's The Last Picture Show. Yes. Which... For me, it's squarely top 10. Um, and I could talk about Nashville, but we don't need to get into that. Last Picture Show is just, I, I, I don't even know how to describe how perfect I find that film. The, the, the characters are so real. Like the things that they do sometimes don't make sense or are against their best interests or are messy or, you know, carry consequences they couldn't have foreseen. And, and yet the, the, the dialogue is just so beautiful. The acting is uniformly great across the board. It, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's it, you know Bogdanovich. I don't think ever made another movie quite like that. And it's just that rare thing when someone absolutely knocks it out of the park on their first go. And I, I just I think the Last Picture Show is a spectacular film on this list that should should definitely not go away. I would be very upset if we ended up getting rid of that from the fifty. I I uh, I totally agree. That was a movie that really stuck out to me. I, I never had seen it. And I was like, oh, I see the DNA of every coming of age story in this movie. Right. 
Yeah, that yes. le- the last picture show being so good made it very easy for me to kill American Graffiti. It, it was just almost like a yes. no-brainer. It's like, you're absolutely gone. You know, I see one on Paul's list that I want to talk about, which is The Sixth Sense. Mm. You, want, you want to keep The Sixth Sense? You know, I did want to keep The Sixth Sense. Um, and I'm looking at this list now, uh, and I'm like, oh, I could cut this list down a little bit more. <sighs> the Sixth Sense is interesting to me because it's a movie... That is probably, you know, I just did the assignment, which was 50. So once I got my 50 off, I didn't really, I didn't really dig deeper. I was like, I got 50. That's it. If I need to cut the 30, I don't think the sixth sense would stay on. Um, but I think it's pretty masterfully done. I think to what, uh, you know, what Devin was just saying about last picture show, I think it does something, um, and captured the imagination of America and, and, and everyone was talking about this twist. And I think it's, unfortunately almost defined M night's career for the worse. I think people are, were looking for the twists and kind of, I think that kind of undercut some of his movies afterwards because they were looking so hard that they couldn't just go along for the ride. Yeah. And, uh, I was surprised at how well it held up. I was willing to like rip on it just like a Forrest Gump. And I found myself totally captured. I don't know if it's, you know, there probably is better films than it, but I also think it's pretty beautifully directed uh, and really well acted and uh, and written. I don't know. I, I I think it holds water. Fair enough. I mean, Fight I me. do want there. Well, okay, <laughs> I do want to do like a special horror segment with you because there's so many films I'd love to have a shot at that slot. You know, yes. mm-hmm. like The Exorcist, even an argument for Scream, even when we did that live show. I really think there is an argument to be made, not just for Night of the Living Dead, my pick, but for um, The Blair Witch Project, another yeah. incredible film. So Agreed. to me, Sixth Sense, I don't know. It's a maybe. And I also, while I'm kind of being like, I want to stick up for some stuff here. You asked Bonnie and Clyde with both both me and the Spoolers kept in our top 50. And out of all of the 1960s movies, this revolutionary period, to me, the one that stands head and shoulders above everybody else is Bonnie and Clyde. You know, of all Did the ones that enter me. in, of all the ones that enter in like the new era <laughs> of ultraviolence, you know, of watching blood and of well, the things that can now be shown that couldn't be shown. Bonnie and Clyde is that wrapped up in the story of like, kids wanting to achieve the American dream of fame and success. It has all the callowness of pop culture in it. It has the the fake heroism. It has like the love and the desire. I just think that I know I go pretty hard on wanting to cull a, a lot of the 1960s films, but that one, I feel like I want to hold that one up and say, okay, we recognize you with this masterpiece. Here's what I'll say about Bonnie and Clyde. It didn't connect with me, but I also think I could be wrong. Right. And I was kind of putting together the list in the way that I felt like, what, what did I really enjoy that I watched? And High Noon and Bonnie and Clyde are the two films that I feel like I didn't give a fair shake to, or the ones that I want to revisit. Because, I don't know, it's sometimes the mood that you watch these movies in. It's sometimes the expectation that you see these films in. I remember the opening sequence of Bonnie and Clyde perfectly. Um, I think about High Noon a lot, but I didn't love the watches, Uh, but that I'm not against them. I just, it just didn't get me. And I know that you dressed up like, uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde for Halloween. So I don't want to, I want to be respectful of that. That that was actually Uh, for a wedding. Oh, all right. It was a a costume wedding. Everybody had a costume. I I love that. (laughs) I love that even more. 
Um, but no, I, I'm willing to say that uh, that was a movie that I would like to revisit. That and High Noon. I'm glad you brought that up because I I almost cut it to have this conversation, honestly. <laughs> um, I, and also, I, I would say, you know, looking at my top 50, you know, I think there's more room to cut um, on here. But there's one movie that I do think I want to just talk about as being culturally relevant. We talked about it very briefly, but Dr. Strangelove. Like, Dr. Strangelove is a really fantastic film that, I don't know, I, I feel like if you had, I'm not often one to say that we should have more than, uh, a, you know, a director represented more than once on this list. And I think if it was only one, I would pick 2001. But man, Dr. Strangelove is pretty, pretty amazing and, and so uniquely different than uh, 2001 that I kind of feel like there's an argument to be made there. That was a, a real near miss for me. That was just outside of my top 10. It was because 2001 was already, that's already like my, my number one movie on this list easily with the bullet. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, did, I didn't necessarily need to have two Kubricks in there. I also had 12 Angry Men in my top 10. And I kind of like, th- those two movies are not exactly the same by any means, but they both have kind of like a, a, a playwright sensibility to them of like, just like mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. interesting, just like dialogue and clashing of philosophies. And like uh, one is more satirical and one is more dramatic, but just like illustrating, illustrating political and social problems. It's just both, both those, both those really stuck with me. Yeah, Dr. Strangelove is so good. I, I mean, the thing is 2001, I think is one of the only slam dunks between all four of us. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it was 2001 and do the right thing are the yeah. two that all four of us had. 2001 is is so perfect that you have to kind of keep it. Um, and so that just sort of means if you're not going to have multiple films by a director, then I guess you got to lose Dr. Strangelove. But how shitty is that? Yeah, yeah I don't want to lose Dr. Strangelove. I, know. I love that movie. <laughs> I know, uh, it does suck. But what if we put in Planet of the Apes or something? Right. I have no I, beef with that. I, no problem with that. Um, I mean, especially if we're no. all killing Bridge of the Rakwai. That's a good ex- ex- excuse for a Planet <laughs> of the Apes uh, rewatch. Right, right. Well, yes. I I want to talk about you guys killing a movie that I really think is great, and I feel like a lot of you have killed it, which is Unforgiven. I love Unforgiven. Okay, I'm a big fan. I I think if I I didn't do the the full like fifty or hundred, yeah, like, yeah. So I didn't I I didn't get in there and kind of actually rank everything, but it feels in my heart of hearts like Unforgiven is somewhere in the like fifth. 60s, 60s of a hundred list like it's i like what it's doing a lot i mean i i there's nothing i like more than those kinds of revisionist westerns that kind of like uncover what a western's meant to be and flip it on its head and you know unforgiven is one of the best at doing that i'm still waiting for the clint eastwood film that's really going to click for me as a director it hasn't happened yet i keep hearing i need to <laughs> i keep hearing i really need to watch sully is actually great but uh or changeling was actually a, a recent one that was really good oh do not get I me like- started on changeling Uh, (laughs) hi i'm angelina jolie i'm the most beautiful woman in the world made up to look like the most beautiful woman in the world going to the offices of all these men begging for their help saying i'll do anything Mm -hmm. and they're like go away get out of here that i mean that movie is insane there it's wobbly right (laughs) at the center at least at least have the honesty of making them be like evil and manipulative and cruel or something is this is this Joe Pesci is too old all over again (laughs) on that note (laughs) on that note if we're keeping one goodfellas is gone right Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, look. yes. I mean, look, I'm okay with that. But I want to go back to this Woo! Western thing. That because... was so easy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, good, good is out of here. I, no mean, we're, we're, I mean, look, we're talking about just picking one. It's, when you just talk about picking one, I think it's an easier conversation. Yeah. I, I feel like I would pick right. Taxi Driver over Goodfellas. It's not even it's not even worthy of a debate to me. It's like, yeah, Taxi Driver. It's done. 100%. Um, but I want to go back to one of your maybes, Amy, which was The Searchers. 
Yeah, I may be that shit, bro. Because I mean, I think we need to look at Stagecoach. I, I really want to look at. Mm. I, I, Why is it a not a no? Well, maybe there's enough of the film student in me that it felt cruel making it a no. But oh gosh, now you're making me think about how much I hate Natalie Wood in that movie. I mean, you did not like Amy, that movie, Amy. <laughs> Just don't like that's like the one thing for me is the Natalie Wood hate. Let's just, just when I'm on mic, let's just tone it down. Otherwise, I have an I have a platform now to come at you over Natalie. Uh, Wood. Don't make me put West Side Story from maybe to no, bro. Because I will. <laughs> I, I do like West Side Story. That's I really one. toyed with West Side Story because I felt like it was, you know, we talk about a list that's not very diverse and. Mm. <sighs> I, you know, I, like West Side Story and Cabaret battled it out for me in my yeah. mental argument. And I was like, all right, Cabaret over West Side Story. And these are not fair, but I just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know. Maybe there's a list where I would like to see like Hedwig on this list. Like that would be really sure. fun. Oh. Like, that would be like, you that's know. That's cool. Uh, but that's a Cabaret is a, Cabaret is a really good story. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the the music is great, but the story is really strong. West Side Story, of course, is is its own thing, but it's just R- Romeo and Juliet, you know. But yeah. it's it's weird that uh, you know we were talking about Schindler's. In some ways, Cabaret almost feels mm. like a more relevant Holocaust movie than Schindler's. Like at this exact moment, like the almost yeah, like that's the, interesting. The, the, mm-hmm. the lead up to that moment, and you know, like the way you right. see like fascism forming, I thought was a, a really a really super relevant story. I love that point. I love that point. Great I think point. that's a great point. Okay, I like our horse trading. I mean, I feel like we're going to come up with a really great top 50. Okay, then maybe my last question is, what did y'all do with a thing called Blade Runner? Can I, can I give you my real hot take right here? Which is, yeah. I, I like uh, Blade Runner 2049 more than the original Blade Runner. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Blade, Blade Runner, especially on a technical level, like ch- changed a lot. I mean, it revolutionized the way that particular kind of science fiction movie uh, looked ever since then. I mean, it is such a touch point and a reference on not just movies, but TV shows, comic books. I mean, like th- there's so much taken from the design of that. The It's difficult because there's a couple versions of the movie. And so it's like, if the, if the are we arguing about the original? Are we arguing about the final cut? I, I don't know. And and any movie like that, which is partly why Apocalypse Now is on my 100% to cut off the list list. Same. Mm-hmm. Any, any movie that you have to redo six times, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's like you didn't quite get it the first time. And so you tinker with it over the subsequent 40 years and it gets this reputation as great. But which one? I don't know. So I, I don't have an argument for keeping it on the list, other than its technical um, uh, uh, influence. It's like you get one shot. Your first shot should count. You don't get redos. Wow. <laughs> Who are you, Eminem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, this brings me to Phantom Menace. Does it belong on the list? I mean, well, oh, yeah, not right. the first okay. one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, Attack of the Clone. Yeah. That maybe be there. I mean, the redos. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting. The redo culture, I can't deny that the influence of Blade Runner is huge, but it first or best and that mm-hmm. may be the one that i say i'd rather see somebody who does it best than first i really enjoyed watching blade runner uh, probably more than all of you here but there is something about it to me that i here's a, a perfect example i don't know if this is apples and oranges but i'll bring it up anyway i kept platoon on my top 50 because I was like, here's a movie that was written and directed by someone who went to Vietnam. And even though I feel that movie is flawed, there are things in it that I feel like 
are incredibly personal and are not represented on this list, like Apocalypse Now, where I feel like it's super heightened, or even The Deer Hunter, which is fictionalized. And I wanted to embrace that in the sense of like, oh, a really clean, clear voice. Um, And even though it was a little bit messy, it's still incredibly unique. And I think Blade Runner has a lot of great ideas. Uh, Is the right word like ephemera? But I don't know if it's fully a great movie. Like, so it's like, I don't know. I, I, I... I think Platoon probably moved me more or connected with me more emotionally. And I know it's kind of really apples and oranges, what I'm trying to say here. But uh, it was a movie that I think both movies are flawed. But I think one is better because even in its flawedness, it, flawedness, it is uh, a better film. Mm, or like truthfully told. Yes. Something. Yeah. yeah like, I don't Platoon know. has a core of truth to it. For sure. That's undeniable. It's true. I ex Platoon, but only because I really do think Oliver Stone's better Vietnam movie is Born on the Fourth of July. Right. And I just, I cannot wait yeah. to watch that with you guys. I mean, I hope we get to that one because we have no Tom Cruise on this list, which kills me. And sure. that movie, I think, is just an epic masterpiece. And yeah, I think Blade Runner goes because there are just so many, I think there are better sci-fi dystopian movies. I even want to give Robocop a shot. I'm serious. Ooh, yes. Oh, yes. 100%. Yes. I would co-sign that right or, now. Yeah. Or, uh, or Starship Troopers, possibly. Or Starship Troopers, yeah. possibly. All right, I have just a couple more controversial ones I want to bring up really fast. How did we feel about keeping Lord of the Rings? I wrestled with that. Yeah, I had a whole conversation about it last night, actually, with my girlfriend thinking about I actually feel like, for me, it's unfair to pick one of the, one of the three. Yeah, it feels like, I feel like it, it's it feels one like an movie. incomplete story. Yeah. It's a complete story. They they came out one year apart. Like they're so it's so one thing that it feels weird to me to just pick the first one. I I don't know. I yeah. I think on our new list we can definitely talk about the merging of things, right? Like, you know, if it is Godfather one and two as one piece, or if it is Lord of the Rings as three pieces, or even Star Wars the trilogy, I think there is a connection to these worlds that why not? Why would you stop? Why, like, you shouldn't yeah. get the box set of them. Um, you know, I think that that's a lot of movies are built to be that, to really hold each other's hands and have a conversation. Yeah, I think merging yeah. is fair, especially, I mean, even more with Lord of the Rings and the other examples, because that's one that they did knowing it was going to be grouped. You know, the other ones are kind of one at a time. That did great. Let's do another one. Okay, here we go. Right. Whereas the Lord of the Rings was always shot as one, done as one, known as one, framed as one. The story was always one. It was always one. It just came out in three different chunks. And what about my last controversial one, which is a lot of us loved Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. That made it on my list. It was very high on Devin's list. It was very high on the Spooler's list. Are we willing to say goodbye to The Graduate? Absolutely. For that, for Virginia Woolf, absolutely. Virginia Woolf was in my top 12. Like, it was there. Yeah. yeah. For, for Virginia Woolf, I will absolutely say goodbye to The Graduate. And I love Mike Nichols. I stand up for many of his... I love Carnal Knowledge, and I love Catch-22. Mm-hmm. I'm the one guy who loves the movie version of Catch-22. But, yeah, Virginia Woolf is by far his best movie. I love it so much. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Okay, so now we have slashed the AFI list, which means it is time to rebuild. Now, rebuilding is going to be a huge thing for me and Paul. But it is a thing that's also been on the mind of all of our Unspooled listeners. And I want to give a special shout out to listener Adam Joyes, who put a ton of work getting this list together. He called out to the Unspoolers, if you had to rebuild the list right now as what it stands with all of the films that you know that you love, what are you going to put on this? And oh my God, y'all came up with a really, really incredible list. One of the the films that you guys put up into the top 20 is Back to the Future, a film that I do believe is sorely missing from this list. And... I mean, hands down, we're going to get rid of Forrest Gump and put in a better Zemeckis, right? That's not even a question. What I think is so amazing about going through this list is it feels like it also helps give us a roadmap of films that we definitely want to talk about. And I read this list of the Unspoolers Dream 100 right now as it stands. There's so many things that make me super, super excited. Princess Bride is, of course, on there. Eternal Sunshine of the the Spotless Mind. Y'all got Dark Knight on here at 33. I mean, pretty much everything on this list is a banger. Who from Roger Rabbit, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, y'all love your Mel Brooks, Night of the Living Dead, League of Their Own. I want to watch all of these movies right now. Um, coming in at 100, a film that we don't, I don't think we have talked about as being really important, but we should. Children of Men. Absolutely. And at 99, you have Night of the Hunter, which I will admit I haven't seen and I keep hearing I have to see. Honestly, I look at this list and I am just excited. I feel like we have built a knowledge base and now We are all going to go forth, and there are so many good movies to watch. If you want to see our full 50, you can go to social media. We will now, based on this conversation, be able to really pare down our 50. And why do we pick 50? Well, because we wanted to make a way for some more films. And what we're going to do here in season two is open it up. Uh, I think that one of the complaints that we had about this list is it's very male-dominant. It's very white-dominant. Uh, It's very war and Western dominant. So for season two, what Amy and I really want to do is explore genres, uh, different types of films um, and and directors and really kind of give voice to some voices that have been absent for the last two and a half years in the show. And the way that we thought about doing this is doing it through uh, mini series. We're going to do a bunch of mini series. um, And the first one out of the gate is going to be back to school. We want to kind of focus on the best coming of age films. So Amy, can we talk about like the films that we thought were a good jumping off point for uh, coming of age back to school? Yeah, exactly. We're going to do seven weeks of episodes on films that all take place in youthful back to school settings. You know, things that really look at the young experience from different lenses. We have picked six of them. The seventh one is a wild card slot that you guys are going to vote on. So here are the six films that we have picked in order. We're going to start with Mean Girls. Then we're going to do a film that is very near and dear to my heart, Stand and Deliver. Then we're going to do our first foreign film, our first actual foreign film on this list, 400 Blows. Then we're going to jump back to James Dean and do Rebel Without a Cause. Then we're going to do a very big cult hit from the 70s that a lot of filmmakers I love today point to as a film that really influenced them, that is Cooley High. Then we're going to do Fast Times at Ridgemont High, my girl Amy Heckerling. And then the wild card to be voted on by you. That's right, Amy. So use the hashtag back to unspooled. Give us your suggestion of a back to school coming of age film. We also will run a poll on the Facebook group. We're going to kind of figure out this system as we go along, but we really want you to be a part of this discussion. Uh, You know, what would your pick be, Amy? 
Oh, well, now that we have opened the doors to foreign films, I also want to throw in Battle Royale from Japan. Oh, I really wanted to do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just shout out election. I'm just shouting out election. Ooh, yeah, so election. good. So that's an amazing movie. I mean, Dazed and Confused is maybe one of my all-time top ten. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, oh. Dazed and Confused is really good. So many good ones. I, you know, uh, I guess it's so hard because I'm trying to figure out back to school or like leaving school. But um, I'm going to throw Grease into the mix. What about a little Grease? Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this. Um, what we really want to do is keep the spirit of Unspooled alive. We want to go back to the past. We want to go into the present. We also want to go around the world. So every miniseries will be reflective of that. And whether it's back to school or it's a focus on romantic comedies or Westerns or an exploration of James Bond, we really want to take these little detours uh, and open up our world and kind of dive into something. So uh, we'll keep this conversation going. And then when we finally pick a hundred films that we think should maybe be added to our 50, Amy, tell them what we're going to do. We are going to take those films and blast them into space. This is the thing I am most excited about <laughs> above anything. I mean, this is what you do when you find a piece of art that you love, like the golden record. You figure out a way to blast it into space where someday aliens will find it and they will say, oh my God, these earthlings, they had this great culture. Whoever picked these is amazing. Every single film on this list is a winner. I feel like I understand the world now. I don't know exactly how we're going to do this, but I'm very serious about it. So if you know anybody who is involved in the space industry or who can give us some sort of advice on how we can actually do this, we've got some time. We have 50 slots to fill, but we should really start working on this now. By the way, it, it could just be on a zip drive. <laughs> we don't need, or a sheet of paper. It doesn't have to, it's not, it can travel very easily. Uh, so any astronauts listening to the show, please all you have to do is fold it and put it in your pocket. Um, no, I think the, it's, it's got to be 100 VHS movies. <laughs> um, you know, we are going to, as we go into season two, we're going to have uh, some changes in the show. And um, we hope you will enjoy that. We've talked to a lot of you to kind of see what you like, what you don't like. And uh, there might be some real differences here. I, I won't even kind of advertise what the differences are. I think you just kind of experience it. But I think there's going to be a real... Um, you know, a little bit of a different listening experience as we go forward. Uh, but we have this amazing team here that we uh, that will be a part of this. And we reserve the right to switch it up if it's not working. But I think right now this is the best way to go forward. And I want to also announce something that we've been teasing for such a long time. Amy, we are going to start hosting a special game show, a movie-themed game show um, that's going to be available on Stitcher Premium called Screen Test. This is my dream. I have always wanted to be a person with one of those little mics with the little round ball on top. You know, this little magic wand mic. Uh, we have been listening to all of our favorite game shows, thinking about what makes a great game show that we would want to play, that we would want to compete in, that we would want to be like, come here, we're going to do this game show thing. And I think we have hit upon an idea with Screen Test that's going to be super, super fun. It's not a trivia competition. It is, shall we say, a little performative. Yeah, I'm going to say it kind of combines elements that you like from Cards Against Humanity and MTV's Remote Control and even Jackbox to make you use your movie knowledge to think fast and be creative to see if you really have what it takes to make it in the Hollywood biz. Uh, so that's coming soon. Stay tuned for that. Um, what a great run this has been. 100 movies. And now we say goodbye to our theme song. We're going to start it off uh, on August 20th with our first film which is Mean Girls. I cannot wait to dig into this uh, 
modern day classic. I mean, if it's turned into a musical on stage after it was a movie, it's a classic. <laughs> yes, I believe that is the law. You are correct. <laughs> um, all right. So we will see you back on August 20th for Mean Girls and get ready to use that hashtag back to unspooled to tell us what your favorite back to school movie is. I hope it's Rodney Dangerfield's back to school um, because that movie does need to be talked about. And yes, I kind of look like the kid in that movie uh, with hair. Uh, all right. Uh, everybody, Josh, Devin, thank you so much. Amy, I can't wait to do another hundred with you. I know. I love you, buddy. This has been so fun. So much fun. And definitely check out our brand new artwork. We got it all going on, people. Uh, We did artwork and quarantine. Get used to it. Uh, All right. We will see you on August 20th for Mean Girls. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.